Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Maybe the least surprising thing about Tanahasi Coates is that he is an official genius. He's the recipient of a MacArthur Fellowship, aka the Genius Award. In just the last five years, he won the National Book Award for Nonfiction, wrote a best selling novel, and created a new Black Panther series for Marvel. On this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast, Tanahasi Coates talks about growing up as the son of a real-life Black Panther, what it's like being the father of a Black son today, and about his book, Between the World and Me, which has just been adapted by HBO. Tanahasi, good to see you again. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Carlos. And where are you? Did you make it to Brooklyn yet, or are you still uh, you still elsewhere? I'm still uh, in New York. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You sound you like you like in a secret location in New York. I am. Yeah, I mean, I'm in uh, I'm in the uh, in the basement. <laughs> okay, okay. I love that. You and Biden both. Biden, you gonna tell me Biden's next door? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> How's the show going? You know what? It's going really well. It is. Uh, I was thinking about you yesterday. We were talking with uh, Takashi Murakami. Do you, do you know him at all? Yeah. 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 I uh what an interesting guy. Um what a creative person and what a journey and I thought a little bit of what your wife said uh after Time Magazine. I don't know if you remember telling me about that. You remember what she said about Time Magazine? Is this the one where she tells me to keep going where I want to quit? She's like, yeah, she told you to write more. You remember? Yeah, told me to write more. Exactly, yeah. Which, uh, by the way, you should tell her. I quote her all the time. I quote her at least four or five times a week. Um, because everybody needs that kind of inspiration. Do you know what I mean? Um, they, they need it, and they don't always get it. And... Um, or, or or they have it in them to give to someone, but they're not giving it, and they don't know the impact. And so I always tell them, you know, here was a moment where that kind of thing ended up making all the difference in the world. So anyhow, I um, the show's going well. I feel like we're we're learning. Uh, Tom, I feel like we're bringing different people into it. And Ava DuVernay did something interesting that I wanted to ask you about. Um, she not only came on, but then she recommended two up-and-coming young filmmakers um, for us to have on the show. And so I want to invite you to do the same thing. If there is someone who you've got under your wing who you think could deserve and could benefit from some spotlight, we should do it. Um, one of the guys who she had, I bet you you probably uh, know or know of, or you know of his dad, Marari Garima. Uh-huh. I'll you know of his son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so anyhow, it's been going well. But I'm uh, congratulations on the HBO Max uh, and HBO movie. How excited are you about that? Oh, I'm I'm, I'm pretty excited. Um, it's 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 not really uh, my movie. Um, it is uh, really you know the work of you know my my great friend, you know long long time friend Camila Forbes, who I think just did an exceptional exceptional job. 
How involved were you in the visioning of that? Because it was such an interesting collection of people. <laughs> That's all right. Nice. All right. You know, it's funny because they, they put your name on things and you could take credit for it, but you, you no. <laughs> I saw like different cuts. Like I saw right. versions, yeah. you know, that, that, that came to me. And, um, but that was about it, you know, and I gave feedback. Yeah. But this is, this is very much Camilla's project. You know, when she did the stage play, it was the same thing. Um, I wouldn't begin to know how to how to put between the world to me on stage to say nothing of making a film out of it. Um, but but she did. She did. How different in your mind is the film versus uh, the play versus it is a book? Does it does it live differently or does it still fundamentally feel like the same thing? I think in the book you're you're hearing you're 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 um, in a room with one person who's having a very intimate conversation with you. I think in the theatrical version you were in. Like it premiered at the Apollo, um, you know, in Harlem. And, you know, so there's feedback from the audience, you know, people are yelling. It's, it's a collective conversation. And with with the film, I mean, Jesus, you know what I'm saying? Um, right, right. You got you got all of these voices coming. It's it's tremendous. You know, the one that grabbed me was uh, I think it was Angela Davis. Uh, I got to see a little bit of one of your cuts. Uh, on it, um, what grabbed you the most? Who's uh, who weighing in made the biggest difference? So um, Angela and 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 and, and Yara were, were great. Um, probably the two, I'll say two that really really stick yeah. with me. And you know everybody's gonna love Mahershala, so I'm not gonna right. say Mahershala. Right. Oh, you're not gonna say everybody's gonna love that. <laughs> Everyone's gonna love Mahershala. So <laughs> Mahershala will do just fine. So I, I, right. I won't say. Okay. I just don't want people okay. to think right. I didn't see it. I did. Yeah. I did. It was yeah. Tremendous. Okay. Okay. Uh, but the two that, that stick with me um, are probably actually uh, Courtney B. Vance um, because he was so subdued, you know, in, in his rendition. And it probably got me because that was probably his voice was probably the vo- that was the one that probably in my head sounded most like what I thought. You know what I mean? It, it should oh, be. And I thought I thought in his actually in him being so subdued. So much of the, you know, the story came came across. Um, and then, you know, Felicia Rashad and then segued into uh, that, 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 you know, the tape of uh, Tamika Palmer, Breonna Taylor's mother. I think right. that 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 section is just heartbreaking. Well, well, let me ask you how you feeling after the election. I feel OK. You know, I feel like, uh, you know, um, I'm, what, what could have been a, a really, really terrible, uh, horrible situation was averted. Um, I think that's a good thing. Barely. Barely, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. It just, it because I was thinking about you during that whole time. Because I don't know if you remember the conversation we had in New York, uh, where where you didn't have your optimist card flying very high. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, if, if not for COVID, he might have won. If not for COVID, Trump, Trump really might have won. You know, mm-hmm. so um, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't know. Um, I think we have quite a bit of work to do. You know, um, but. This is, you know, better as, as, you know, President Obama would say, better is good. Better is yeah. good. Where do we go from here? Where do you see us going going from here? What, what would you advise, not just of a Biden, because I know this is not only up to political leaders, but but where do you see us going from here? Well, um, Carlos, I, I think you know how I'm going to answer this question. And that is, um, I really don't have much of an idea about that. You know, um, I, I, I can talk about you know, my job and what I feel like my role is within the process. Um, and, and that is to expand the uh, political imagination, also, you know, the cultural imagination. I think those two things are tied to each other, actually. But the political imagination, you know, of, of folks who are interacting with, with my work. Um, I have no idea how you pull together a cabinet. I have no idea how you deal with the recalcitrant Senate. I have no idea how you deal with some of the real um, handcuffs you know, that, that, that have been put on a shackles, you know, that have been put on those who uh, would seek a, a progressive change in this country. Tell me a little bit about your friendship group. How integrated is it? Do you have a large set of, of non-Black friends? And if so, give me a little bit of a sense of, of who that friendship group is. I came over here because I, I knew you were going to ask some questions. That no, no one has ever asked me that question. <gasps> Great journalism right there. But, but, you, appreciate. But, but you know, I do. I hope you do, because I, 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 you know, I appreciate you. And <laughs> and I, it's funny sitting here with you and thinking about some of your work. You know, what came to mind uh, was Frederick Douglass. 
Mm. Because I think about when you talk about expanding the political and then when you said cultural imagination. And, and I think about how he did that, how he breathed courage into people who didn't even know that they needed courage to breathe into them. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I think about some of the work you were trying to, you've done and are trying to do. I, I think about it with that level of power. And I, I'm sure you know better, th- th- this sounds inappropriate for me to say, but but I think I think you have an unusual ability to get people to take a fresh look at something difficult. And most of us aren't good at that. Most of, It's hard for most of us to get people to turn their heads towards something they definitively do not want to look at. Right. You know what I mean? That's, that's a hard job. I mean, I, I hate to disappoint, but that probably does not come from my friend group. <laughs> I mean, maybe it does. Maybe it does. I don't know. I do. I have, I have you know, I certainly have some, you know, um, non-Black friends you know, who, who, you know, I consider really, really good friends. Um, but all of my close friends, my, my, like my tightest friends, yeah. with one exception, uh, are black. And that one exception is, you know, a buddy of mine who's, who's Puerto Rican and Dominican. So, um, you, know, we, you know, we know how, you know, the relationship between those two communities, you know, go. So, you know, and I don't know if that's like um, intentional, you know, even, 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 you know, my buddy who's Latino, you know, um, they come out of a particular point in my life. So the vast, vast majority of my best, best friends actually, well, I guess with one exception, are, are really, really um, old friends, you know? Um, and so they come out of that period when I was at Howard, you know, um, and I was in D.C. And that was a very, you know, black, you know, period in my life. Um, I don't know if I was going to get on here and talk about white friends, but, I, you know, I had, I had, you know, one who was very, very close to me, who was very instrumental in, in, in my career, David Carr, and he regrettably passed away. You know, um, I probably would have identified him, <laughs> you know, where, where, where he's still here. So, you know, it, it's not intentional. It's just, that, you know, this is how my life is, has taken shape. You know, my wife is African-American. And so, you know, the majority of, if not, you know, I think she got less white friends than I do. Um, so, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, 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 yeah. And, and I, I will say, I will say this. I do think, I, I do think that for my life and for what I wanted to do, you know, I was fortunate in, in that friend makeup. And I'll say this because so much of what, what we consider, you know, racism um, in American culture involves making Black people feel like they're crazy. And, and I want to be real clear about what I'm about to say. This is for me. You know, I'm not in the, you know, making laws for Black people or legislation or how everybody should live there. I really don't believe in that. You know what I mean? I believe that, the, you know, the promise of what we're fighting for is for everybody to have, you know, uh, the maximum, you know, amount of, you know, responsible choices possible. So I, I want to be clear about that. But for me, in terms of the work I was trying to do, I needed a Black social set. Hmm. I needed one. You know what yeah. I mean? Because... Um, yeah. I needed to have a variety of people around me who I could look to and say, am I crazy? And they could look back at me and say, not only are you not crazy, but I feel the same thing. I feel what you're saying. I feel it. And I, and I feel why you might think you're crazy, but we're not. We're not. And so, you know, there's a lot of overlap between, you know, my, 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 um, my friendship, my marriage and, 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 and my work and my family and everything. So all of that was very, very much, you know, reinforcing as, you know, I started off talking about, you know, it's not a mistake that, you know, Camila is the director in this. Um, she, her, her and my wife have been friends since, you know, they were like 12, I think. Um, she actually introduced me to my wife. Hmm. So it's a tight, <laughs> right, right. Tight, tight thing, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was talking yesterday to a Glenn Turman, uh, the actor who told me that he grew up in the village and that his mother was friendly with uh, Lorraine Hansberry and um, wow. and uh, James Baldwin and um, who else did he tell me was around? Charlie Parker and all sorts mm. of people. It was the most interesting collection. And to think that he was sautéed in all of that, marinated yes. in all of that. And then when you think about his work and his ability so interesting to hear that and to kind of hear that backstory was kind of part of that. And so you you appreciate all that that goes into it. If you don't mind, talk to me a little bit about your son. Where is he today? Who is he today? And, and how are you thinking about his tomorrows? Yeah, uh, he's a student at Howard University. Um, he has a, a, a variety of interests. 
Um, and you know, one, you know, in particular that I, I don't, I don't, the only reason why, I don't want to say too much about not because of me, but because it's his business and I don't, you know, know how much, um, how much he wants to say or, or what he, you know, I don't know what the boundaries are on that, you know, and I want to respect him. He's 20 now. You know what I mean? It's like, you got a friend, yeah. Yeah, you know, right. it's like, you would, you know, you would be careful about that. But, um, what I'll say is he is a hardworking, intense in the best kind of way, brilliant, compassionate kid. I'm very, very proud of him. You know, I'm very, very proud of um, what he's growing into. I was telling somebody the other day, you know, me, me and my wife, we remarked on this to each other often. You know, when I look at Samari, and I think Kenyatta would say she feels the same way, you know, for herself, I, I see myself, but without the kind of insecurities that I had you know, as a kid, which is not to say that he doesn't have, you know, his own insecurities, but he just, he, he came up so different, man. And he has so much, you know, uh, self-possession and courage um, that, you know, I didn't really have when, when I was his age. I was, you know, kind of forced into, you know, certain things. Do, do you think that that was, I'm sure both you and your wife put a lot of good stuff around him, but was that something that you went into it intentionally and said it's important to me that he not have that insecurity or those insecurities or those obvious insecurities that I no, had? No, no, because Samari was born when I was 24. No. And so I didn't even, you know what I'm saying? I'm like six right. years out of high school. Right. So I didn't really even know. I hadn't even analyzed it to that level. I think, you know, it was funny um, is when he was born, I think both, 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 both me and Kenyatta agreed that we didn't want our life to end. You know what I mean? And we did not want to make him central in an unhealthy way, by which I mean, um, I think we both felt at that age that he should not be made to feel as though the world revolved around him. And it was very, very important. You know what I mean? Not even out of, you know, you know, we want to go out and party all the time, but like, look, this, this is our life. This is our life. And you got to get in where, where you fit in. And so like the thing I think about, and so there were like opportunities that came out of that. You know, Kenyatta, you know, always wanted to go to Paris, loved Paris, loved Paris, but I didn't love Paris. You know, um, I ended up going over, you know, visiting. And I think for both of us, it's very important to raise a bilingual child. We thought that very early on. And so having an opportunity, you know, to live abroad, you know, for a year and, you know, to put him in what was basically an all French environment. Like I didn't have that. I didn't get that opportunity. I mean, I couldn't have had that. My parents weren't, you know, they just didn't have the capability. It's not that they, you know, wouldn't have done it. They just didn't have, you know, the ability to do that. You know, I was one of seven kids. Samari's the only child, you know. Um, and so, like, I can, the thing I think about most, and me and him joke about this all the time, is we were trying to, we had done all this work to set him up in school over there. And we wanted ideally a bilingual school, sometimes in, you know, some of it in English, some of it in French. But as, you know, you know, you know, you're dealing with another country, a different society. You don't know how things are going to turn out. So he goes to school the first day, he gets on the subway and everything, goes there, you know what I mean, comes back, and he has this horrified look on his face when I see him. And I said, what happened? He said, you told me this was a bilingual school. I'm the only English-speaking kid in my class. There's no English. There's no anything. <laughs> and I looked at him, and I, I said, Samari, this is the best thing that could ever happen to you. I said, this is better. I said, I wish I was you right now. I really, really wish I was you right now. I said, this is better. Then a bilingual school. He said, what do you mean? I said, bro, in three months, you're going to be begging somebody to speak French to you. Begging to just show off how much French you know. And, you know, it was rough for a couple months. And, you know, he had, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, best scholastic year of his life, you know, came back and was just, just nasty. I mean, he was, you know, just a, a totally different, you know, kid in terms of, you know, his ability to speak and his confidence. I have to believe that when you go through challenges like that, like they, that builds your self-esteem. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You feel like, yeah. okay, I've been here before. I've done this. I'm, I'm capable. You know what I mean? But but you also, you did a beautiful Jedi mind trick on him. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he's that kid that ran and hit his head on the wall. And instead of you cringing, you said, that wall must hurt. You know what I mean? I mean, you, <laughs> I mean, you made him feel great, which, again, is a gift because not everybody gets that. Like, I, you know, we had on uh, George Lopez, the comedian— couple months ago, and he was talking about, he never got that kind of affirmation that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how that set his journey up and even impacts him today. And so for Samari, just to, and I know you know this, but but but, but that that is such a 
I'm glad you did the Jedi mind trick on him. If I think about it, that that is even though you know we were all the way on the other side of the world, I owe that to my parents. That would have been my parents' response. Huh. Like that was that was also how I was actually raised. You know what I mean? Oh, it's hard. You're fully capable. Go ahead. Yo, 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 yo. No, no, I don't want You're gonna be fine. Right. You're gonna be fine. Go do it. Go do it. Go do it. You know what I mean? Don't come crying to me about you know what is and what you are totally capable. And I, and I think what it did for me, although it wasn't at that level, but what it did for me was I thought my parents were God, mm-hmm. and if they told me I could do it, they know more than I do. So. Maybe I did not at that moment have faith in myself, but I had faith in them and had faith in their, you know, faith in me. And that was really what I was, you know, trying to transmit to him. And, you know, he didn't believe it right away. But, you know, I just know I also have had this experience in writing, you know, all the time. And it's like, wow, maybe maybe I'm I should be expecting more out of myself. Maybe I'm more capable than I thought I was. I love hearing that and thinking about that and and even uh, uh, blowing that up big for many of us. Maybe I'm more capable than I thought I was is, is, is a big idea and connects to some things. I, I want to ask you about other kids and how you think about so many of the little black boys who unfortunately won't have the experience that you had or that your son had or that I had and will find themselves uh, with not as much food as they probably would want, not as much affirmation as they may want, not as much uh, calm and tranquility or just wonderful distraction as they want. How do you, how do you think about uh, the life of, of those uh, little ones, of, of our little ones? And, and, and I'm leaving it open-ended there, but, but you, you understand the question I'm asking uh, about people who probably are where your father was, if I understand his situation growing up in Philly, or yes. probably where your father was. Yes. You know, tell me, tell me a little bit how you think about those boys, our, our sons, you know, who are in different places today. Um, and yeah, and actually where my mother was too. Um, I um, It breaks my heart. And it, it breaks my heart because I have on some level been experiencing being in close contact or being around folks who um, did not have what I had all my life, all my life. Uh, you know, my first book, The Beautiful Struggles, is about that. Um, you know, you... Like middle school is when you first start, you know, being aware of certain things. And I, uh, I, I, you know, I, I went to a really, you know, really rough middle school in Baltimore, you know, which I write about. And one of the organizing principles of safety, we didn't really have, have gangs, but we had like crews. And so it was like you needed your neighborhood crew with you in order to feel safe walking to school, right? Because you didn't know what was going to happen. Somebody might jump you, et cetera. And I remember in seventh grade, like, I only had, like, two other boys to walk with. You know, it was this one kid and his little brother we used to walk to school together. And it was like the most distressing, you know what I mean, thing in the world. Yep. God forbid that that kid gets sick. You know what I mean? And then I'm like, you know, I'm by myself now. And But that wasn't because there was nobody else my age in my neighborhood. That wasn't because there were other boys. It's because all of my other friends in my neighborhood weren't actually going to school. They were cutting school, all of them. Nobody had a father. Nobody. Mm. Nobody mm. had a father. Um, some of them knew their fathers, but nobody had a father like in the house. Nobody had what I had, which is to say two parents, they're very present, you know, in your, in your child. I was the only one. I couldn't imagine, couldn't imagine cutting school. Yeah. You know, my mom would have killed me and then my dad would have, you know, brought me back to life and killed me again. <laughs> like I just didn't, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, yeah. you know, part of, part of what I had. And yet these were, were like my friends, you know what I mean? Like these, these, yep. these were my friends and, you know, the, the lack of resources, you know, ranged from, you know, my mom is working two jobs and isn't home at night to, you know, my mom's on crack and I got rats coming out the house. You know what I mean? Um, it was bad. It was really, really bad. And I remember when, like, um, when they eventually got caught and everybody got hauled in, you know, in front of the, you know, the truancy, you know, courts and everything. And, you know, it's one of these reasons why, and, and, you know, I, I just want to be clear about this. You know, I, I wish, you know, Kamala Harris, you know, well, you know, I'm happy that she won. But it was one of the reasons why when that clip came out of her giving that speech about truancy in front of those cops, it just, I mean, it really rubbed me raw. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, yep, like, I grew yep. up with, I grew up with those. These were my friends. And the only thing I could think of that would have made that situation worse 
was police officers coming to the door, you know, of, of, of their parents. And so um, I am extremely, extremely confident of my good fortune, you know, and the fact that I had, you know, um, parents who had the time, the energy and the resources to pour into me. That is extremely unusual, extremely, extremely unusual. I'm one of seven kids, man. I'm the only one that didn't graduate, you know, from college. I got three, three brothers and sisters, you know what I mean? Born into the projects, you know, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very different group, but what all of those kids had was they had time and attention, right. You know, from their parents and resources, resources, you know what I mean? And that, that just, um, that's just not the case for most of us. Not at all. So what do you, so, so what, what do you, what do we do? And, 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 and what should they do as they think about that? Because it, it is possible to look into that and say, there's nothing for me out there in playing by the rules, working with the system. Nothing about the system is going to work out in my lifetime, right? It's just not. We may talk about stuff, but it's not going to. And there may be a few here or there. I mean, I mean, I mean what should we do? What, 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 what should they do if you are a young person who gets that, who gets that quickly, that this is not set up for this to work out for me? Well, um, so there are two levels of that, right? Like there's a question of what is what, 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 what I say, you know, if I could wave a magic wand in terms of what society should do. Right. Um, and what I would and do say to individual, you know what I mean, black boys and young black men in that situation. And I just want to differentiate that, you know, and, and the thing I, you know, I always say is, um, and it's terrible. It's a terrible thing to say. It's a terrible, terrible thing to say, but I think it's true. Um, your situation is not your fault, but it is your responsibility. And I, I hate even talking like that, you know, cause I don't want to reinforce you know, that, that logic, that notion that um, things aren't set up for you is correct. You know, it's, it's not wrong. You know, we, we live in a society in which, even if you do everything right and you have luck on your side and you're you know, a great student, you go to college, you graduate, you will still come out with a gap in income between you and a white, and, and, you know, and a white kid. You will still have a tremendous, tremendous gap in wealth. You will still have a burden that you have to carry. You know, that really is the result of white supremacy where you will have family members that you have to take care of you know, in a way that in general, in general, white people don't relatively as compared. And so, yeah, it is, it is fixed. <laughs> it is, it's true. It's true. You know? Um, but I find actually, if, if you level with folks in that sort of way and say, okay, so now what are you going to do? Right. Now, what, what, what are, what are our options in life? You know, it's very rare that you get a choice between the optimal best option right. and the worst. Usually it's the worst and kind of bad or the worst and good. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's across the board, you know? And so, you know, one of the things that, that helped me, and I talk about this in Between the World and Me, is um, your life is never your own, okay? If, if you go out, you know, and you just say, you know, forget it. You know what I mean? I'm not, you know, um, I'm not dealing with any of this. Well, you may not care enough about yourself. And I've been there. You care about your mom. You care about your little brother. You care about your cousins. You care about your granddad. You know what I mean? Like we, we are enmeshed in, in, in communities. And so like one of the, the great revelations I had, you know what I mean? When Samari was born was that if something happened to me, everybody around me would suffer. Everyone, <laughs> everyone was going to suffer. You know what I mean? I wasn't just going to yep. be on an island doing, you know, what I, what I wanted to do and, you know, forget y'all. It's my life. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. Yeah, there, there's a there's a collective responsibility. I actually think that's one of the interesting conversations. Uh, Thomas, I've been telling people I think the 2020s are going to be the new 60s. And I think we are going to have big, tumultuous debates about fundamental issues in a way that we haven't since the 60s. We're going to talk about race. We're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about work. We're going to talk about capitalism. We're going to talk about war. I think we're going to have all those big fundamental debates in, in a much more uh, intense way than we have. And, and, and maybe it'll end up being a good thing, right? Because maybe we actually can change the game so that that young man, that young woman can more reasonably see, see a path ahead. But I think if that happens, part of it will be, can we move from self-interest or even enlightened self-interest to kind of 
more consistently thinking collectively, right? If that can become more of the moral norm, right? Um, and, um, and, and, and it's a struggle right now, I think, for many of us, for a combination of reasons, to often think about the collective and, and really embrace that. And, um, um, and as you said, you often have to if you're black, but you don't have to if financially you can live and exist independently, right? right? If in terms of working with the police, you can live independently and still be okay, right? And so, uh, right. so it'll be interesting. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Tell you something very different. You have had a rare opportunity to get to know some of the most interesting, powerful people in the world. And I want you to take people who may be watching, who may never get to meet President Obama or Oprah Winfrey or others. I, I want to hear a little bit from you about what you have learned being around them. And I'm not asking this with anything presupposed in mind. I literally am just curious as you, a, a thoughtful, diverse human being who now has had a chance to see some of these folks up close, maybe not forever and always, but what do you take away and what would you say to the rest of us about, you know, you choose three or four people, but but I assume when you talked about opening up at the Apollo, if I remember correctly, you did it with Oprah Winfrey. You know, she's not doing that with everybody, you know. What for did the you, water what dance did you, we did. Yeah, for the yeah, water dance we did. yeah. You know, actually, the person I think I should I should most I'm probably I feel the most grounded to talk about it is the person who I personally know the least, but spent the most time, you know, studying and thinking about and, and you know, actually talking to, I guess. And that's that's President Obama. I think being a decent person really matters. Um, that's not the coolest thing in the world to say. But I think just uh, I think what the past four years have shown us is um, a level of decency really, really does matter. It requires a kind of coldness and a kind of inhumanity to sit back and just watch 250 million people, 250,000, sorry, people just die. And I don't think that's just a matter of cold policy. I think, you know, things that we think of as, as, as being softer, like decency, like that, that really, really does matter. And I think um, I always got that off of him, you know? Um, obviously, we had some, you know, pretty, you know, profound disagreements, but I always got decent human. And I think that's that's important. Um, I think uh I don't know when you're gonna have a president with that much, you know, brain power. 
you know, in, in, in the White House again, uh, polar opposite of Donald Trump, just, just the polar, polar opposite. I think what America required to become elected the first Black president may not have been the same skills that were needed to ensure that we did not have our first white president. <laughs> oh, interesting. Oh, interesting. Um, and and I, I think part of that is um, there is an almost ingrained skepticism of, of, of white America uh, among Black people. And I think a lot of the presumptions, like I think, you know, had that been anybody else and they had gotten elected president, they would have been looking over their shoulder right away. <laughs> they would have been like, okay, so where's it coming from? Where's it coming from? You know what I mean? Who's going to try to screw me? Who's going to do it? I know I know one of y'all is. You know, um, their attitude would not have been, you know, hey, I had these great relationships in the Senate. I had, you know, much, much success as a senator convincing white people of certain things. So, you know, therefore, I think I can heal the division. You, 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 you remember Eddie Murphy in Trading Places? You ever seen Trading Places with Eddie Murphy? Yes, of course. You remember when they first take him in the house? <laughs> they yes. say, all of this yes. is yours. <laughs> yes, 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 right. exactly. Right, exactly. right. right. Um, so I, I think so. You know, I think that would have. But see, that person wouldn't have got elected president, though. <laughs> That person wouldn't have said, you know, there's no red America, you know, blue America with the United States. But that's what people needed to hear for that to be a black president. Right. You know what I mean? And 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 Obama is so um, persuasive and so effective as a politician and delivering that message. I mean, he had even those of us who, you know, were more skeptical thinking, maybe it's true. Maybe, 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 you know. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, man, I really think the ferocious reaction which I think his worldview can't really anticipate. I think his worldview is that, you know, look, our story is a story of progress. Um, and he would point to history. He would say, is it better today than it was, you know, um, in the 1880s? And he would be unquestionably correct. Is it better today? You know, would you rather be black today or would you rather be black 100 years ago? And you'd obviously rather be black today, right? Um, and he would say that, that that's the story. And he, you know, believes that that will be the story. Um, I think that kind of progressivist vision, though, um, which is rooted in a fundamental faith in the decency of human beings and the decency of Americans, he just isn't prepared for a situation in which an opposition party believes at its core that an election was stolen from them. You know, that, that, that COVID is a hoax. That people who, you know, uh, asp- uh, you know, um, believe in a, a, a QAnon conspiracy theory can sit in Congress. You know, that, that, I don't think that ideology is, is prepared for the sheer hate, the sheer reckless hate that necessarily has to, you know, greet the first uh, Black president. Um, the, an impressive, impressive, impressive um, individual, um, one of the most impressive people I've ever met. Um, and even as I offer my critique, you know, would I have navigated that path better? I can't say I would have. You know, um, who can do both? Who can look at people and tell them, you know what I mean? I believe in you. And at the same, why at the same time being skeptical? Like, I don't know. And, and maybe that's okay. And as you're saying, maybe, may, maybe it is a team sport. And, and, maybe, and maybe in the end, you do have to have different people capable of, of, of truly believing and engaging with a set of people one way. And, and and someone doing doing something uh, else. Who's out there who gives you hope today? Who inspires you, intrigues you, maybe just makes you laugh? And I know I'm saying this talking to a comic book fan and writer. I'm talking to a Dungeons and Dragons guy. You know, I'm talking to a guy who's got uh, lots of different interests uh, that cut across different things. Who grabs you? Who moves you? Who inspires you today? Oh, man. In terms of, like, uh, I, I, I would... And this will probably may not be the answer you would expect, but I, I, yeah, I would say, you know, the filmmaker Ryan Coogler. I love his work. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I have had the great fortune of having a friendship with Ryan and thus, well, not thus, but in addition to also, you know, working with him on some things. And I don't think people understand the level of rigor that goes into his work um, mm. and the level of care and the level of concern and the level of compassion. Um, and I, you know, as a writer, I find myself constantly learning, you know, from him, you know, um, you know, we had a session this week, you know, we had to talk about some things and, you know, on a Zoom call for like an hour and a half and I, you know, it was an education. 
it was a, it was a serious, serious education. And so, um, yes, there's the finished work, which is incredible and, and, and impressive. You know, um, when I heard about Creed and then, you know, I didn't know Ryan at this time, I was like, what? You know what I mean? And then you go see it and you see this guy has totally, you know, reinterpreted, you know, an, an American myth, yeah. you know, and then, you know, and, and as far as I'm concerned, created a story of healing. You know, really created a story of healing. I think he did the same thing with with, with uh, Black Panther. You know, and so to have those kind of technical chops, and then at the same time have a heart and a compassion and a moral compass. You know, myself as a writer and as an artist, um, you know, I'm tremendously, tremendously impressed by it. That's so interesting. You use that word healing. I'm hearing more and more people use that word healing, and and I think that is going to be an interesting opportunity. Um, and so I'm I'm gonna come I'm gonna come back to that even as as we as we wind out here. I want to ask you about about you talk about myths, and I had a very interesting conversation um, with uh, uh, Eddie Glaude Jr., who you who you may or may not know. We were talking about the American dream, and we were talking about what does it mean to you. When I say the American dream, what do you hear? What do you think? Wow, that's very interesting, Carlos. I don't hear anything. I don't think I hear anything. Um, and I think the hard part for me is, um, I mean, I, I hear what other people say. So I hear, you know, um, white picket fence, you know what I mean? Uh, two car garage, two kids, dog, and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, but it's not like emotionally, I, you know, I, I can't really emote anything original into that. You know, that that's so powerful when you say you don't hear anything. Um, uh, uh, there was a great film back in the 1950s called 12 Angry Men. You ever see that film? They remade I read it. That. I had to read the screenplay when I was in yeah. school, so I'm yeah, familiar yeah. with it. Yeah, you should go back and see. There was a great moment with Henry Fonda, an argument in the jury room, and he says to another guy, he can't hear you. Meaning not that he can't hear that you're emitting a sound, but he can't hear any of the words that you're trying to say to him. And so that that's interesting you say that. Well, if we did start this country afresh, if we said what's happened the last 250 years has been America 1.0, but we now need to all be able to hear something and we need America 2.0. And so we're going to try to reset America. And we want a new set of founding mothers and fathers that include ta Coates, includes Padma Lakshmi, includes Ava DuVernay, includes... Boom, 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 boom. So it's not Ben Franklin. It's not Thomas Jefferson. It's not George Washington. What What do you want? How do you want to read You like that, huh? <laughs> You'd be good at that. I can see you. I see you in Philly where your dad's from. I see you there. Um, uh, 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 reimagine uh, this new experiment, or at least give me one or two of the things that you hope you would bring to a Reset America and America 2.0 effort. Well, the first thing is I would say no statues, no statues and no commemorative art or anything that deifies. Um, I, would, I would probably get away from the term founding fathers and founding mothers in and of itself. And the reason why is because um, I think ideals are probably much more important than the people, you know, who, who bring forth those ideals. Because on, in ex on examination, inevitably, what you'll find is that, you know, that person wasn't worth the statue. <laughs> who can be worth a statue? You know what I mean? Who, who, can, who can really, you know, do that on examination? And so um, I probably would start there. But, I, you know, in terms of founding principles, you know, I, I think the idea of egalitarian democracy, um, I think that's just the bottom line, that everyone deserves an equal chance to participate in uh, determining the destiny of the state. You know, um, not voting is a privilege, not a right. You know, not, you know, um, frankly, if you're in prison, you don't deserve to participate. Um, none of that, that everyone deserves to participate in determining the destination, you know, of, of the state. I, I really think it's important to start there. And I think a lot of things actually, you know, um, from, from healthcare, from anti-racism, I think a lot of things flow, you know, um, anti-misogyny automatically flow from that presumption. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. I'm going to finish up with a little bit of rapid fire, if you don't mind. I want to hit you with a few things. I want to get your immediate reaction to them. Okay. What scares you? Death. Didn't I say this before? Death. You did. You Death. did. Yeah. You did. I think about it a I, lot now. And, I, I, and I'm thinking a lot about, like, it's not death itself. It's like, um, what am I, what, how do I prepare? What am I supposed to do? Like, what, 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 what? And I guess in that sense, it's not death, it's life. <laughs> You know what I mean? Um, I'm yeah. on borrowed time. Am I using it well? So maybe not death. I mean, you know, maybe life is actually the answer. You know, and in, I've had a lot of time to think about that in COVID. You know, in your in your mind, how how old do you expect to live to? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. I I plan to live forever. I write like I'm gonna live forever. <laughs> no, for a while I won't. You know. Yeah. 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 You know, they have some new research, some new technology that says that they may have found a way or be on the path to finding a way to people living for 400 years. With that, This is very new, just in the last couple of months. So that'd be interesting. That'd be, you'd be around for a little while. I um, probably will go. I probably will <laughs> you, you just You'll just sign off and move on. I don't know. I don't know, man. I, th- I think it's about right. I think yeah. it's about right, you know? Yeah. Your favorite color? Blue. Why? I don't know. No idea. Yeah, yeah. She says, though. No idea. Yeah. Best thing to happen to you when you were living in France? Oh, I had, um, well, when I was living there. When I was living there. Not when I went. Oh, oh you, you, can, you can do it when you went. Uh, switch it up a little bit. When I went uh, for uh, the first really, really long trip in 2013, um, I was a part of this program where you, um, you would do, it was almost like speed dating, except it was... Um, an English and France translation thing. So you would sit down at a table, talk to somebody, they would speak French and you would speak, you know, uh, French back and then y'all would switch and then you would change partner. And I met this guy there and he said, look, anytime you want to get together, practice your French and I'll practice my English when you get together. So, you know, sent them a note, we got together and he took me, he took me to this uh, joint and it, it looked like, cause I had never seen anything like this. That's why I'm using the word short. It looked like a wine store, except there were, there were you know, uh, tables outside, like two tables outside. Mm-hmm. And we went in the wine store for a moment, and he looked around, talked to the guy, and we came outside, and we sat down. And they brought us some of the best wine I had ever tasted in, in my life. Um, then they started bringing out bread and charcuterie and fromage, you know what I mean? Cheese. And these are, these are things I had, at that point, never experienced before. I didn't know people did like this. <laughs> You know, we had this you know great meal, talked, drank, and then y'all went to pay. And he said, "No, no, 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 c'est mon, c'est mon invité." And um, yeah, excuse me, all the Franco Francophones out there, if I got the gender wrong. Um, but he basically said, "You know, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't have to pay. I got it." 
And then he said, I, you know, I want to show you something. And the whole time I'm thinking, I don't know this dude. I don't know what's going on here. You know, my, you know, my skepticism, you know, is running rampant. And, you know, uh, we, we went over, you know, to that, to that island that's, you know, in the middle of the Seine. And, you know, we just, you know, stood and, you know, uh, looked at, I think it was Notre Dame. I can't remember what he had me look at. But whatever he wanted to show me, he showed it to me. And I'm thinking there must be some trick, some sort of con there. Somebody trying to game me for my passport, traveler's checks or whatever. And it wasn't. It wasn't. And you just said good night. And I stood there and I was like, I've never had anything happen to me like this in my life. Like I am half a world away. And I remember just looking around. And um, when I was there, every moment felt like new, you know? Um, and I'm sure after a while of being there, that, that rubs off. But it didn't, you know what I mean? It, it didn't for the time I was there. And I'm not saying that that's, you know, particular to France. I mean, I think if anything, it was particular to the fact that I didn't get my passport until I was 37 years old. So, you know, I wasn't particularly well-traveled. I'm still not particularly well-traveled. And I was just blown away, just totally, totally blown away. You know, your boy, uh, James Baldwin, talked about similar stuff. So did Richard Wright, um, Josephine Baker. A number of people have talked about that unburdening, um, even if it's not complete. Um, with that unburdening and that recognition of what we sometimes carry around. I had a version of what you described happened to me in Ghana um, where I showed up and before I checked in the hotel, someone invited my friends and me out for a meal. I similarly had that skepticism and it turned out just to be a meal. That's (laughs) all it is. There's no no anything else. (laughs) You know what I mean? You have to be careful about carrying Baltimore and Miami with you everywhere you go, right? Because, you know, I'm sure it has its benefits and it has... Uh, oh, by the way, that, and that's the, trick of, that's the trick of what we were talking about with Obama too, right? Like, that kind of skepticism at the same time, it caused you to miss things too. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 it would cause you to not see some things and make some, you know, presumptions. It's a, it's a very hard, hard thing to, to negotiate, you know? Yeah, it, it is. There, there's a lot of depth to to what you're talking about there and kind of the, it's not even microaggression, it is, but but it, it's hidden G-forces that, that almost make you not do things or not lean into things or miss uh, things. And, and you think about the missed opportunities for friendships, the missed opportunities for learning, missed opportunities for love, for discovery, for collaboration, for creation. Um, and, uh, and so it, it may be one of the world's good opportunities ahead if I'm right about this decade and that this decade will give us a chance to reset a little bit. Maybe part of the benefit of resetting will be unleashing uh, more, more positive interaction, more free flow of, of interaction in more situations. Never perfectly, but, but, but maybe more. And that, uh, that, that could mean something. Um, you mind if I close out by asking you to read a little bit? Uh, of course, I can read. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so this is from uh, Between the World and Me. And it's about my son. Um, books about my son. So. The struggle is in your name, Samari. You were named for Samari Ture, who struggled against French colonizers for the right to his own black body. He died in captivity, but the profits of that struggle and others like it are ours, even when the object of our struggle as is so often true, escapes our grasp. I learned this living among a people whom I never, I would never have chosen because the privileges of being black are not always self-evident. We are, as Derek Bell once wrote, the faces at the bottom of the well. But there really is wisdom down here. And that wisdom accounts for much of the good in my life. And my life down here accounts for you. There was also wisdom in those streets. I think now of the old rule that, ha- that held that should a boy be set upon in someone else's chance he hood, his friends must stand with him and they must all take their beating together. I now know that within this edict lay the key to all living. None of us were promised to end the fight on our feet, fists raised to the sky. We could not control our enemy's number, their strength, nor their weaponry. Sometimes you just caught a bad one. But whether you fought or ran, you did it together because that is the part that was in our control. What we must never do is willingly hand over our bodies or the bodies of our friends. That was the wisdom. We knew we did not lay down the direction of the street, but despite that, 
we could and must fashion the way of our walk. And that is the deeper meaning of your name, that the struggle in and of itself has meaning. You know, it's, uh, I, know, I know this because of the time we spent together, that it's not just good love for your son that has caused that, but it was the love of your wife. And so I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna make you tell that story again, um, because I, I, I think it's a love story for the ages. And um, would you tell me one last time sure. about how you guys met and where you guys have been together in this journey? Oh, um, so I met Kenyatta Howard. Um, as I said, you know, she was a great friend of uh, Camilla Forbes, who is uh, the director uh, of, of this film. And I imagine how a lot of marriages begin this way, but I saw her in the yard and um, Camilla did an introduction um, later. And I think about like how, uh, and I think about it a lot right now because of what's happening with Between the World and Me, how you have these moments and you, you don't realize that it's the rest of your life right there, you know, right in front of you. And, um, and I mean that in the best possible way because I think in so many ways, Kenyatta had more vision than I did. Um, it was Kenyatta's idea, you know, to come here to New York. Um, it was Kenyatta's, you know, uh, notion that, you know, we should see Paris. You know, it was her, you know, desire to, you know, live in France that really, you know, motivated everything. And, you know, at those moments, you know, when I felt like it was done and I had a lot of those, you know, I think across six or seven years, I lost, you know, three different journalism jobs, you know, and it really didn't look like it was going to turn out well. I think it would have been easy and not just easy, frankly, understandable for somebody to look at me and say, Bro, maybe you need to try something else. And, you know, the thing that, you know, I, I will always be thankful, you know, to Kenyatta for, among other things, is when I was telling myself that, bro, you need to go try something else, you need to go drive a cab or something. You know, she was like, you just need to write more. You just need to write more. And that was true. You know, it just turned out to be absolutely true. And so I think, like, um, there's a lesson in that. You know, like, you decide what you're going to do. And you don't let the world decide it for you. And what happens, happens. You know, um, it turned out pretty good. You know, for me, there was no guarantee of that. But I think the bigger point was, you know, I had something that I thought I had to give to the world, you know? Um, and you, you, you can't let other people tell you what you cannot do. And I differentiate that from mentorship, critique, et cetera. But you, you just can't, you can't let other people tell you what you can't do. You know, you try to get somebody close to you um, who is honest with you who sees the best in you and sees the worst in you, you know, and can be straight with you about it. Um, and that, that's my foundation. That's my foundation. Well, uh, uh, you know, I love hearing that story and you know, I want that love for each and every one of us, however it shows up, whether it's romantic love, whether it's friendship love, whether it's professional love, whether it's it's maternal, paternal love, but I, I, I appreciate her without even having met her. And so, um, uh, uh, so, so please let her know. And, uh, and thank you again. You know, I always appreciate you and I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Carlos. to the Carlos Watson Show podcast. If you enjoyed this interview, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, 
It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.